It's good to see you all this morning, um, and I hope you are doing well as uh, many of you are kicking off your summer. Um, folks will be traveling and vacationing and, and hope that it's a great season for you. <clears throat> if you've been with us for a while, you know we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy, uh, looking at how the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy points us to Jesus, how uh, the gospel is good news, uh, but it's not new news. It's actually very old good news that God has uh, woven throughout history and throughout his scriptures, uh, revealing his goodness to his people and changing them for his glory, for their good, and that the good news of his kingdom would advance to all nations on the earth. And so today we are looking at Deuteronomy chapter 18. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. Uh, and we're going to be looking um, at a couple key verses uh, to, so that you can kind of see how the whole chapter is structured. Um, the past couple weeks, we've seen that God is instructing his people as he's leading them uh, to a land that he had promised them. Um, he is shaping them to uh, be more like uh, who he wants them to be. He is, uh, has led them from freedom out of bondage in Egypt, is leading them to a land of promise, and along the way is commanding them, instructing them to do certain things so that they would remember who he is and what he's done and who they are and how they are to live. And there are many implications here for you and I today as Christians uh, in light of this good news of what God did for his people Israel in the Old Testament, how that leads us to Jesus and how that changes the way you and I are to live today. We've looked at how God instructs them to uh, keep certain feasts and festivals to remember who he is and what he's done. Last week we looked at how um, God had certain instruction for uh, justice, not only to uh, lift up the um, purity of the congregation of people who he had called them to be, but also to reveal their need for a Savior, uh, which ultimately leads us to Jesus. Today we are looking in Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, which instructs some on priests and prophets in seeing how this leads us to look to Jesus and how this good news changes everything for us. Um, So we will be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 18 starting in verse 15, and uh, let me pray before we read uh, this today. Father God, we thank you that you are indeed a good and holy God, and God, that you've been good to your people throughout generations, and that, Lord, uh, you have revealed uh, your goodness through creation, through your word, through your acts and history, and ultimately through your son Jesus. And God, that uh, you have gathered us here this morning to hear this good news. Uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit would dwell here with us, that you, um, as you have inspired the scripture to be written, uh, God, that you would open our minds uh, with your spirit to understand your scripture, that you would open our hearts to receive the gospel, that you would shape us to be more like your son, Jesus, for your glory and our joy, and that the good news of his kingdom would advance to the nations. We ask this in Christ's good and holy name. Amen. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, 
or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Uh, This is God's word for us. Friends, Jesus is our true prophet, calling us to repentance, ushering in the presence of God, shaping us in a new identity as a covenant community, and leading us to live in blessed, holy living. And this is good news for us. One of my favorite movies uh, is A Beautiful Mind. Um, it's a true story of the uh, late John Nash, brilliant mathematician. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that he has uh, an incredibly sharp mind when it comes to numbers and patterns and mathematics, things that were not natural for me. <laughs> Seeing that he can observe patterns in nature, he can observe patterns in society and economics, he can identify numbers, he has really sharp Perception and is able to, to grasp and see things. But if you're familiar with the story, you know that his mind has some issues that weren't interpreting what he saw well. In fact, he had delusions, uh, maybe hallucinations and some other things. And um, it's a great film. It's a great story. And I was thinking about this film this week, seeing how this in many ways is how we are when it comes to our approach to God. I mean, there's, we, have, we have great perception. Maybe we, we see God at work. Maybe we hear God's Word. Maybe we read the Scriptures or we witness something in history or we, we share stories of the Gospel at work. And so our, our perception is, is good, but our interpretation is off. Just as John Nash would interpret some numbers to be some secret code to battle Nazis or something, you and I sometimes will read God's Word and misinterpret it and misimply it misapply it or maybe we we misinterpret what god's doing in history maybe we hear the story of jesus and it's very common for folks to say yeah that's jesus he was just some good moral teacher or he was one of many good prophets of god like any other prophet of god or or maybe he was just some wise rabbi or sage all the while god is speaking very clearly to his people as he's done throughout generations The issue is on the receiving end. Sometimes we don't hear God clearly or see God clearly, or sometimes we misinterpret what's going on because we lean on our own intuition, we lean on our own intellect. Maybe we uh, put too much stake in popular thinkers or authors or speakers. And this happened to Israel as well. As they were traveling from Egypt, they had generations of of living in a, a culture in Egypt. And as God led them out of that culture, He said, look, I'm shaping you. You're going to live differently. Things are going to be different for you. And it was very common for God's people to want to go back to Egypt. Even though God said, I freed you from that bondage. Don't go back there. I'm leading you to a new land. I want you to think differently than Egypt. I want you to live differently than Egypt. I want you to do life differently than the life of your past when you were in bondage. 
But in the same way as they were traveling from that, God also instructed them to not adapt or adopt the cultures around them. As they were passing through different cultures and and, uh, meeting different cultures, God was instructing them to not adapt and adopt those idols, those spiritual practices, those things that were culturally relevant in their day. And the same is true for you and I today. Israel even struggled with adapting spiritual, magical practices. And so along the way, God, out of His grace, sent different leaders along the story to keep God's people on the right path, to keep them true to His Word, to remind them of who God is and what He's done, to remind them of who they are and how they are to live. And this is the role of a prophet. If you look throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, it was common for a prophet to speak on behalf of God. A prophet would would meet with the Lord or hear from the Lord, and it was the role of a prophet to, to speak as God's mouthpiece to His people. With all the authority of God's word and instruction, a prophet would speak on behalf of God, having met with God, and instruct the people. A prophet would call the people to repent, to turn from sin, to turn from brokenness, to turn from idols, to turn back to God. A prophet would uh, represent the, the presence of God coming in to dwell with His people. A prophet would remind the people of the new identity they have as a covenant family, a covenant community as God's people. And a prophet would remind them how to live as holy people, blessed in their relationship with God. This is what a prophet did. This is what God's prophets do throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament. Now Moses, we see, was a prophet of God. If you know the story of the Exodus, he had met with God on numerous occasions. God spoke to him out of a burning bush and said, you were going to be my leader. You were going to speak for me. You were going to, uh, to lead my people to, to a new land, to lead them to live in holiness, to lead them to uh, be shaped in this new identity and a new community. That is the role I have for you. And we see the story of Moses. That's exactly what he did. He goes in, uh, proclaims, with all the authority of God, proclaims the word of the Lord. God's people are set free. God's people follow Him. He instructs them along the way and how to live as God's people. But then we see along the way, Deuteronomy chapter 18, where Moses, speaking on behalf of God, speaking as a prophet of God, says this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. God said, I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. A prophet of God will be raised up from among Israel. A prophet who, like Moses, would call God's people for repentance. A prophet who would usher in the presence of God. A prophet who would remind God's people of their new identity and a new community, family of of covenant that they are together. A prophet who would come and say, this is how you are to live in holiness and blessedness as God's people. This is what God's people expected. Moses eventually died. And the Lord raised up numerous prophets along the way. You can read many of them in the Scriptures here. And for generations, God's people experienced God's Word through 
many prophets. But they were still expecting one true prophet to come. One prophet who would be the final prophet speaking with all the authority of God, calling for repentance, ushering in the presence of God, reminding God's people of their new identity and community they have together, and instructing them on how to live in holiness and blessedness. And this leads us to Jesus. This is the context that Jesus steps into. As God's people were anticipating a true prophet to arise, God sent His Son Jesus to be this true prophet. Now you see, a few hundred years before Jesus, I mean, Moses was hundreds of years before Jesus, and God's people experienced seasons of exile and oppression. And during the first century, uh, the Roman Empire had, had taken over that part of the world, and God's people were oppressed and taxed. There was religious corruption. And it had been a few hundred years since a prophet had spoken the Word of God to them. John the Baptist steps on the scene announcing that God's prophet was coming, announcing that God's kingdom was coming, calling for repentance. And Jesus steps in to that scenario, full of expectation and anticipation. God's people were on the lookout for a true prophet, and Jesus is that true prophet. Look what happens. In John chapter 1, right at the um, beginning of the Gospel of John, a couple guys, Philip and Nathaniel, meet Jesus and they say, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Jesus goes on to begin teaching and doing miracles and signs and wonders, attesting that he is the true prophet of God. John chapter 6, verse 14, when the people saw the sign that Jesus had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Toward the end of the gospel of Luke, Jesus himself says this. He says it, well, the scripture says that in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. You see, all of Jesus' teaching and life and miracles, even His death, burial, and resurrection, attest to the fact that Jesus was the true prophet of God who God's people anticipated. Jesus is the true prophet who proclaims the good news of God's kingdom. Jesus comes into the world calling for repentance, ushering in the presence of God, calling for a new identity and covenant community for God's people to live in holiness and blessedness. Look what happens next. I know we're hopping around a lot, but I want us to see how all of this ties together. Acts chapter 3. After Jesus had lived His life, died His death on a cross, was buried, came back to life on the third day, appeared to His disciples, instructed them about how all of Scripture points to Him, He ascends to heaven, commissions them out to preach the Gospel to all the world. And in the book of Acts, it's just fantastic to see how these things came to light in light of the Gospel. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. 
Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. It shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Does that sound familiar? Here the Luke, the author of Acts, is quoting Moses from Deuteronomy 18. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel to those who came after him also proclaim these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Do you see what's happening in the book of Acts? Do you see how the person and work of Jesus begins to shape God's people in the New Testament? This is where the good news hits us, you and I today. Because when we look at Deuteronomy 18, I was wrestling with it this week because it's so much of Deuteronomy is, is very contextual when it starts talking about Levitical priests and certain cultural practices which are very important but not necessarily applicable for you and I today. They're important because they were prescriptive for God's people Israel, but it's descriptive for you and I today. We're not to necessarily keep these Levitical laws because we're not Levites But there was instruction to God's people in order for you and I to look today and see how this points us to Jesus. You with me? And so I I was wrestling this week thinking, man, I really want to, to unpack all of chapter 18. But I think the most important thing we can do is for uh, you can go home and read chapter 18. All of it. Read all of Deuteronomy. Read all of the Bible. But I want us to see how particularly... Verses uh, 15 through 22 come true in Jesus. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And Acts chapter 3 says it very clearly. Because the role of a prophet is to call for repentance. Acts 3.19, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Verse 26, God having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Repentance. Jesus lived to proclaim repentance that we may turn back to God. Repentance means to turn from something and to turn to someone. Repentance means to turn from sin from idols, from brokenness, from doubt, from disbelief, from anger, from pride, from fear, from religiosity, from nebulous spirituality, from magic, return, repent, turn from those things to Jesus. Every prophet in the Old Testament preached repentance. Moses preached repentance. All of the prophets who came after him preached repentance. All the while, God's people were hearing repentance and waiting for the prophet of God, the final prophet of God to set foot on the scene once and for all, calling for repentance. That's Jesus. And so I want to ask you today, what does repentance look like in your life? All of us need to repent of something. 
Repentance is not a harsh pain, penance, pain, penalty, so that you can get into God's good graces. That's not repentance at all. Repentance is a very, a very much act of grace of God on your behalf. If you were repenting, it's God wooing you, gently turning you back to who you are to be in light of who He is and what He's done for you. And so if you're here today, I want you to think long and hard and very seriously about what you need to repent of because if you think you have nothing to repent of, you need to repent of your unrepentance. All of us need to repent. In fact, it's a common reformer's axiom that all of life, all of the Christian life is one of repentance. We live lives of ongoing repentance. When I woke up this morning, I had to wake up repenting on waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Okay, I had to repent of going to bed on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, just the hashtag, the default hashtag of my life is just, you know, not my finest moment. Hashtag, not my finest moment. Because all of life is one of repentance. It could be repenting of action or inaction. Maybe there are things that you were doing in your life that are wrong and unhealthy and destructive. You need to repent of doing those things. Maybe you need to repent of inaction. Maybe there are good things you should be doing, but you're not because you're lazy or selfish. You need to repent of that. We need to repent of actions. We also need to repent of attitudes. Maybe you have a chip on your shoulder. Or if you're like me, you have a chip on both shoulders. I have chips on my knees and toes and everything else. Maybe we need to repent of our attitudes. Maybe you deal with pride or anger or fear. You need to repent of attitudes toward other people, your attitude toward God, your attitude toward yourself. We need to repent. It's a good thing. It's a gracious thing. Turning from that and turning to Jesus. This is what prophets proclaim. This is what Jesus proclaimed. Acts chapter 3 says, Repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Maybe you need to repent of believing wrongly. Now what I mean by that is this. I'm not going to sit here and give you like the a bunch of steps of, of what you must believe correctly. What I mean by believing wrongly is that you are not trusting Jesus, but rather trusting yourself. Or maybe you're trusting your theological framework, which I can tell you it's probably flawed. It's okay. Every man-made theological construct has some sort of flaw because we're humans. But if we look to Jesus, God works in and through those things. If Jesus is the focus, maybe you need to repent of that. Maybe you need to repent of disbelief, repent of doubt. Repentance is a good thing. You should do it constantly, looking to Jesus. That's what a prophet did. And so when Moses says in Deuteronomy 18 that the Lord will raise up a prophet among you, this is what God's people were anticipating, someone to proclaim repentance. And that's what Jesus did. In Acts chapter 3, we see repent. Why? Because of Jesus. Jesus is the prophet. Therefore, let's repent. Repent. Prophets also. So that's the first thing, repentance. Secondly, let's look at this. A prophet would usher in the presence of the Lord. Having met with the Lord, Moses ushered in the presence of the Lord. We see uh, numerous times as God would meet with his people, God would meet with Moses first. 
We see when Moses comes down off the mountain with the law of God, he had met with the Lord face to face. And then he comes down and the law of God was not some impartial, detached instruction, but rather it was representative of God's presence with his people as they were to live out who they were. And so when Moses says, the Lord, your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you, your brothers, you shall listen to him, God's people were anticipating for years that a prophet would come, not only calling for repentance, but ushering in the presence of God. Man, this is what Jesus does. In fact, when Jesus steps foot on the scene in Mark chapter 1, he says, repent and believe the gospel because the kingdom of God is at hand. The like first chapter right there. Repent, believe. Why? The kingdom of God is here. God's presence is here among you. Why? Because Jesus is God. As the true prophet, the true mouthpiece of God. This is what God's people were anticipating in Deuteronomy 18. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 20. I mean, the writer says, repent, turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Refreshing may come from the presence of God. Does that sound like good news for anyone in this room? You see, God's people in Deuteronomy 18 had been in bondage for generations, calling out, where is God? I mean, does he not see our affliction? Does he not see our bondage? Does he not see our enslavement and abuse? Where is God in all of this? And when God speaks to Moses, one of the first things he says, besides saying, hey, I'm God, he says, I've I've heard the cries of my people. I've heard the afflictions of my people. I'm going to come do something about it. A prophet ushers in the presence of God. In the presence of God, there is refreshing. What does that look like for you? I mean, maybe you're here today saying, I don't know where I am in my faith. I'm a seeker. I'm a doubter. I'm a skeptic. Maybe you were a straight up non-believer. You're like ticked and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I just came to get coffee and heard some music. I'm here. I'm so glad you're here. Because all of us want to find our way to God. All of us want to find our way to be refreshed and restored and renewed in the presence of God. And sometimes we find very creative yet destructive ways to do that. Sometimes we find very um, creative and, and seemingly spiritual ways to do that. We think if we can maybe do this certain spiritual tactic or maybe do this certain traditional thing or maybe we can live this certain moral code and not eat this kind of food and not do this kind of thing and read that, we think maybe we will get our way into the presence of God. But look what is written here. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Like, Jesus is in the business of restoring all things. In fact, I love when you get to (laughs) Revelation. It's just like this one story of Genesis. is like, hey, look, God created everything. It's, It's beautiful. It's good. Hey, there's some people. It's very good. Sin enters the world, and it's one long disaster. Along the way, God is proclaiming His goodness, His faithfulness, His restoration. You get to Revelation, 
And Jesus is like, hey, behold, I'm making all things new. And this is good news for us. This is what it means to be refreshed in the presence of the Lord, anticipating that Christ is going to restore all things once and for all. Imagine being an Israelite in Deuteronomy 18 as Moses is saying, hey, a prophet will come. I mean, we're in the desert, we're hungry, and we're frustrated because we've been in the desert for 40 years and God promised us this land, we're not there yet. They're struggling with idols, with spiritual practices, with magic, with all kind of weird stuff. And Moses says, hey, I'm a prophet, but you know what? A true prophet is coming who once and for all will proclaim repentance and also usher in the presence of God. We know this to be Jesus. So for hundreds of years, they anticipated that Jesus sets foot on the scene. Luke, the author of Acts, says, hey, that is Jesus. You want refreshing for your soul? Look to Jesus. You want to have hope for the restoration of all things? Look to Jesus. Not magic, not religion, not spirituality, not good moralism, not do better, try harder, but look to Jesus. So what? where do you need refreshing in your life? Man, I need it desperately. For years I have struggled with some deadness in my soul. Parts of it I do know why, parts of it I don't understand. I'm like, God, why did this hard thing happen to me a few years ago? God, why did I work so hard to do something only to see it torn down? God, why did I try to be faithful and teach and preach only to be called a heretic? God, why did I try to love well only to be criticized because I have a personality flaw? God, why? God, I want refreshing. I feel dead. I feel tired. God, I'm frustrated. I'm doubting. I'm disbelieving. I'm angry. I have pride over here. I have fear over here. I need refreshing. I want to experience the presence of the Lord. I think my story is one of a hundred stories in this room. All of us come in here probably frustrated with something. Maybe you grew up in a church that messed up somewhere along the way. Maybe somebody who mentored you blew it. Maybe they walked away from you. Maybe they unfriended you on Facebook. (gasps) Maybe you're here saying, man, I read the Bible every day. It's not making sense. Maybe you're battling sin only to find yourself ensnared time and time again by that sin. Maybe you're like, Jeremy, I'm reading books on anger, but I'm still angry. Me too. We need to start a D group. Let's talk about it. We can fight about it. Right? Maybe you are like struggling with lust only to find yourself lusting. Maybe you have a porn addiction or an alcohol issue or a drug issue or a comparison issue. Maybe you're horrible with money and you're like, dude, I've taken this class time and time again. I still can't get it. I want God to refresh my soul, my mind, my heart. I want to be nice to people. That's my biggest prayer. I just want to be a nice guy. I want to be nice to people again. This is the good news for you and I. As a prophet comes to proclaim repentance, he also proclaims the presence of the Lord. That's what Moses did to Israel. That's what all the prophets did to Jesus. Jesus came and did that. Acts 3 says, repent, turn back. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Where do you need refreshing in your life? Look to Jesus. He will deliver. He will restore all things in His time. In the meantime, hang on. Just look to Him. Look to Him and hang on. Thirdly, I want us to see this. A prophet proclaims the new identity and new covenant community of God's people. New family together. This is what Moses does in the Old Testament. 
He comes in, he has the law and says, this is how you are to live. You are God's people. You are not defined by the Egypt of your past. You are not defined by these other pagan cultures around you. You are defined because God has rescued you. You belong to God now. That is your new identity. This is a new identity you have together as covenant people, as the family of Israel, the family of God. That is what Moses proclaimed on behalf of God to Israel. This is what a prophet does. This is what the prophets of the Old Testament said time and time again. Israel, you are God's people. Repent. Come back and experience the presence of God. You were God's people. You were God's community together. That's what all the prophets did. Jesus comes on the scene calling for repentance, ushering in the presence of God, and calling for the new identity and covenant community as God's people. But man, it's such a bigger community than just Israel. It's awesome. That's why Jesus says His great commission is to go proclaim the gospel to all nations. Because the kingdom of God is much bigger than just Israel. He started there, but man, it rippled out to the world and is still rippling out today. And this is what Acts 3.25 says. Actually, let's start in 24. All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel, Samuel came a few hundred years after Moses, Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Man, let me just tell you that Luke is a writer in the New Testament writing Acts. He's so cool, man. He's like... He's like throwing back to the Old Testament. Like he just got done like saying, hey, just repentance, presence of God, Jesus. I'm going to drop some Deuteronomy in there so you know it's legit. So like Luke like quoted Moses in Deuteronomy saying, hey, God said he's going to raise up a prophet. That's Jesus. Let's celebrate that. Now he like starts quoting Genesis. He's like, Deuteronomy wasn't old school enough. We're getting older school. He starts quoting Genesis, you know, When God made a promise to Abraham, a covenant with Abraham, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a whole different sermon for a whole different day. But real quick, let me just tell you that God delivered on that promise. God made a promise to Abraham, this old guy who didn't think he could have any kids. He says, you're going to have more kids than the stars of the sky, than the sands of the ocean, the seashore. God made good on that promise through Israel. He said, through through your lineage, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you look at first and say, well, yeah, like, you know, God grew Israel to be really big and they bless the earth. But, you know, he's really pointing to Jesus there, saying that through your line, one true guy is going to come. One true prophet will come once and for all to bless all the nations of the earth. That's Jesus. Jesus came from this lineage. <laughs> Jesus fulfilled once and for all that promise that God made to Abraham just like God just like Jesus fulfilled the promise that God made through Moses to Israel that a true prophet would come God in Christ fulfilled his promise for a new covenant family a new identity a new community that's good news for you and I you know what I like about that is that means that wherever there is a human being a human being, a human life form, there's an opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed. There's an opportunity for the gospel to be like worked into somebody's heart. No matter who you are, the gospel call is for you. 
no matter what you've done, no matter what, where you've come from. This is what's great. So if you're, it doesn't matter who you are. Like it's a gospel call for all of you, but this also commissions every believer. No matter where you go, you have the responsibility to steward this good news. In the workplace, in school, if you like go to China tomorrow, I know somebody who's about to do that. You go to China tomorrow, you're taking the gospel with you. Why? Because all the nations, all the families of the earth may be blessed through Christ. That's good news that needs to get out there, right? Right? Okay, fourth and finally, let me say this. So a prophet calls for repentance, ushers in the presence of the Lord, calls for the new identity and covenant family together, and fourthly, calls for blessed holy living. Blessedness means like when things are like right between you and the Lord and you and everyone else. It means like God's favor is on you. And because of that favor, your life looks different. This is what Moses instructed for Israel. Giving commandments, giving different rules and laws for them to do that were cultural and ceremonial and they had feasts and different kind of things that they were to do that that we don't have to do, but they're important for us to understand because it showed how God was setting them apart and how God wanted them to be different and how they failed at it and how somebody had to come do it perfectly for them. And that's everybody that's Jesus, right? Just going to walk out of here. Everybody, Jesus needs to be on everybody's lips when we leave here. And may the Holy Spirit put them on everyone's heart and we'll be good. We'll go get lunch. Right? Blessedness, holy living. When Jesus sets foot on the scene, he starts proclaiming repentance, ushering the presence of the Lord, saying you're a new, you have a new identity, you're a new covenant family because of this good news, and you are going to live differently. In fact, just read the Beatitudes and into the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is instructing what holy, blessed living looks like. That's only possible in Christ. Right? And then the writer of Acts, Luke, comes on the scene and says this, verse 26, God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. God raised up His servant. Jesus sent him to you first to bless you. That's such good news. I want to live a life of blessedness, don't you? I want to experience the favor of the Lord. I want my life to be a holy life that looks different for His glory and my joy and that the gospel would advance. That's what I want. That's what I pray for this church. That's what I pray for each and every one of you your marriages, your families, your friendships. I want this to be the the resounding echo of Redemption Church is to be one little snapshot of how all of this good news can just like wreck everybody with joy and blessedness. So as we conclude, I'll, I'll say this. Where are you looking for truth? How do you apply the good news? Where is Jesus in your life? Is He in your life at all? If He's not, if you are not a believer, I'm going to beg you to consider the gospel. I'm going to plead on your behalf that the Holy Spirit would so move in your mind to understand this good news and so move in your heart that your heart would beat with life and joy with the good news of Christ, that you are loved and accepted by God, that you can turn from sin, 
death, idols, pride, fear, whatever, and turn to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. If you were here today saying, I just I don't feel close to God, I want the refreshing presence of the Lord in my life, I'm going to pray on our behalf that God would send His Holy Spirit and just totally change our lives. In Christ, He does that. In Christ, He promises that. We see it throughout Scripture, and we trust that it's true. So it's the hope and my hope and prayer that God's Holy Spirit would move in our lives as individuals, as men, as women, boys, girls, married couples, families, whatever. I pray that we would really live out this new identity in a community together as his people experiencing blessedness and holy living because of this good news. So that is my hope and prayer. And we have ways to respond with that good news. Um, In a few minutes, the worship team is going to come back and lead us in song. And if you want to respond by singing uh, the truths of Scripture over one another and and, uh, praise to God and uh, over yourself, just listen to what you're singing. And I pray that that would would move you. Uh, If you need to sit where you are and meditate or pray, if you need to grab someone and talk through some of the stuff, we'd love to talk with you about it. There'll be other ways to respond as well. Before you, you will see two tables. There are wine and juice and bread. And um, it's a way for us to respond um, with what uh, Jesus said to do. Um, I will say, I just have to say this, a total logistical note. Uh, We typically try to have a... um, a gluten-free option, and, and it's just not here today. So for those of you with dietary restrictions, I sincerely apologize that we we're, we don't have that. I just wanted to throw that out there. We typically try to have a gluten-free option for those, um, but it's not here today, and my sincerest apologies. Um, but for ways for us to respond uh, beyond that, Jesus um, instituted the Lord's Supper as a way for us to remember who he is and what he's done and also know that uh, in him we have true repentance. We experience in the presence of the Lord that we are a new covenant identity and family together and experience blessed holy living. That's why we celebrate communion every Sunday here. In fact, uh, hear the words of the institution of the Holy Lord's Supper from Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. So with thanksgiving, let us offer to God grateful praise. Pray with me. Uh, Father God, we do thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. We thank you that ultimately through Christ, we have redemption, we have forgiveness, we have a new identity, we have a new community together. In Christ, we experience the presence of the Lord, the the blessedness, the the grace filled living and i pray lord that uh, even now during this time you would you would draw us to yourself god that you would refresh us in our souls and our hearts and minds that you would restore us in our marriages and our relationships with others and our relationship with you lord that your holy spirit would so move uh, to change us and to grow us god that we would be a people of joy a people of hope a people of repentance a people of forgiveness people of grace, a people of holiness, 
all because of the work of your son, Jesus, and all because of the work of your Holy Spirit in our midst. So God, I pray that you would grow us and shape us in the way that would best bring you glory, best bring us joy, and best take the gospel to the nations from this place. We ask that you do this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.